what it all comes down to. This is music. This is mayhem. This is a high voltage rock and roll podcast especially for you. Don't think because you haven't heard of us that we didn't exist. We've been here all along like a spirit roaming the night, seldom stopping to rest. Our path has been marked by the bolted skull and bones, smashed guitars, and starred stages across the world. Welcome to the full-on church of rock and roll. This is only the beginning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have, um, today... We're actually going to go into, we've done a bass episode, and, and we had, well, we had Jimmy Dan down talk some drums, but we're going to get down and dirty with guitars. I guess some people call them axe, axes. Axe. I call them guitars. Um, I call them sex sticks, stringed <laughs> sex sticks. <laughs> uh, but first, I want to I see what's going on in the world before we get our special guest on. Um, we have our, our reporter, Keelan Ellis. Who does not play a sex-stringed instrument, but he is a singer. Ooh. I don't play it well, I guess you could say. Oh, that you write songs on guitar, though. Yes, but okay. I'll, you'll well, never you see me on Give him his well. credit, dude. Yeah. No, that's not credit. I'm just saying. Well, you know, the, the question that I ask all guitar players based on what I can do, how right. high can you jump with a guitar? Right, that's all that matters. That is all that I matters. Could, I could jump just as high with a guitar in my hand as without, so nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> Trip over a shoe. <laughs> uh no, I saw that like Tommy Lee is going to leave the country if Donald Trump is reelected. So. Thank fucking God. Yeah, we thought Motley Crue was over. So yeah, w- w- <laughs> this country doesn't need Tommy Lee anymore. I'm I'm going to say something. I'm going to be bold, and I'm not even political. This country needs Trump more than it needs Tommy Lee. So I'm going to weigh out the. I'm joking. I'm going to get mad. I'm going to get hate mail. I know. Well, Jesus Christ, everyone's such a pussy. I just saw that. There's a red dot on your head. Right now. <laughs> I know exactly. I know. <laughs> oh well, I just said. Listen, I don't. I don't do partisan politics, but I also don't do Motley Crue fucking right. politics. So, so there you go. No conversation there. But but I guess what I'm saying, regardless of who the president is, even with the last president, when people were saying stuff, say if it was the the say if Joe Biden won and someone like. On the other side, Ted Nugent said that it's just a dumb thing to say because you're not going to do it. And yeah. uh, Nugent spoke on this on a podcast yesterday that Tommy Lee is a uh, <laughs> a heroin addict. Well, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> again, you that's uh, the extreme talking about the extreme. Exactly. I'm just saying to say that you're going to leave this country like it's going to change anyone's mind or it's some sort of threat. No one fucking cares. Move wherever the fuck you want. Well, mm-hmm. we're still waiting for Rosie O'Donnell to move out of the yeah, country. Yeah, please. That, that I would rather... Stay, yeah. Just stick to your word. That's all I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> Amy Schumer's another one. Just stick to your word. If you if you don't like the president, I don't care. Just yeah. If you say you're going to leave, leave. It well, doesn't matter anyway. Is, is that meaning like Tommy Lee's fans are going to say, oh, yeah, I guess I got to vote for Biden or else we're going to lose our favorite drummer? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's going to go to Canada and I'll never be able to hear from him again. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm a local politics guy, like national politics. I don't... I truly don't believe that my vote really matters when it comes to that. So, but local politics is sure. where you can really. Ha- th- but that's votes. just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, October thirteenth, which I believe was yesterday, right? Yes. No, this is up to date. Breaking uh, news uh, yesterday. Breaking news. <laughs> breaking news yesterday. Which you won't hear. Jason this Hook leaves Five Finger Death Punch. Not going to speak on that. <laughs> so there's new lineups going out in the world right now. Um, now, when he left, do you think he was like, "I can finally wash this red dye out of the sides of my head"? <laughs> I know why. You know, it's like uh, AFI, the guitar player. He's had that same exact haircut for but that's like different because I think years. it's just cut that way. I think but doing like a dye em- is a lot. True, more but you work. know, his hair at the, from AFI, it's that emo scene thing still yeah. that goes over the eyes where he keeps flipping it. You know, you know how I fight that. How do you fight that? I just don't cut my hair. Yeah, that's a new thing for you though. He's like, I don't I cut every, it, every wash like two it, years. I don't or wash it either. It. Yeah, I have glorious hair. If you've never seen me, people listening. Just Google Glorious John hair Cougar Melon Cougar Cougar. <laughs> and then finally, at the last bit of news, why do we have to hear every musician's comment on Eddie Van Halen? Like, singer from Buck Cherry says there's never going to be another Eddie Van Halen. Wow. Yeah, of course. Great news. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, if Wolf has a baby named him Eddie Van Halen, then he's, there's another Eddie then Van Halen. Then there's an Eddie Van Halen. Hopefully there's not another Josh Todd. <laughs> Exactly. Let me tell you a quick story. Tell that guy us. actually had his voice isn't bad. I'm talking shit, but um, 
couple of years ago, I was getting on a flight to go to one of our, to a festival or something. And, and he was on there and he had this handler with him who's probably trying to do his job. You know what I mean? And he saw, I don't know, he probably thought by what I was wearing or my leather coat that I, and Josh Todd's sitting down and I, I'm getting on behind them and I'm going just to sit behind, it's just the next row. I just want to sit as f- close to the front of the plane as possible. Like I said, as close asshole. as I can to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the guy turns around and puts his hand and was like, uh, no autographs. I'm like, are you fucking kidding you? me? To me. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, dude, I'm not even looking at this guy. I know who he is. I, I saw him while we were waiting. You know what I mean? I've, I worked fan, with him. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got the tattoo. Uh, no, I'm joking. But anyway, uh, so it's one of those things where, you know, some of these people, and I, I don't even blame Josh Todd because he's a very, very nice guy. Um, I remember when he had a solo band, we used him to open up. We did a special Anthrax show at the Roxy, not the Ro- uh, the Whiskey, mm-hmm. and Josh opened up. He's very gracious, and he was always great when I had to work with him in Buck Cherry. Um, but it's just funny that this handler thought like, "Oh, this guy is definitely here to get an autograph from the singer from Buck Cherry in yeah. 2018 or whatever." Yeah. So, any more news, Keelan? Not, not worth holding everyone's time for. All right, I, I do have. <laughs> Jerry on the phone here. Ah, oh, fantastic. Woo! So, hello, hello. What's happening, man? Happy so, birthday! Happy birthday, Jerry. Hey, I'm 50. Oh, I kick. <laughs> Dude, I was, <laughs> I was straight up going to tell everyone that it was your 25th, but since you doubled it. <laughs> I know, it's weird, right? It just sounds so strange. I don't know. We were always the young kids at all the shows, and now we're... Old men, it's very weird. Speak for yourself, but yeah, we were always <laughs> hey, the hey. kids, and you were younger than than I was at the time. Like when, so I've known Jerry forever. I met Jerry and Ian on the same exact day. I went and tried out for their band because you guys put in something in in the local paper. Like I'm sure you mentioned Crow Mags and Crumb Suckers and all nice. the shit I like. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and you know, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I didn't know. I thought I met Ian through you but, but it's been so long i don't remember maybe i guess that was the same day i i, I don't know it I, was I the was same day to figure that out so i oh, it, was, it was legends uh bar that, that your uncle owned and i walked yes, upstairs sir. and i was like oh shit that guy was from breaker and then you were a kid and you were just shredding and i had never seen a shredder before like i uh-huh. my, like everyone i grew up with like we were like you know kiss we're into kiss and stuff like that so we played that sure. way ramones whatever you know what i mean and you yeah. were shredding, and I had never seen anyone shred before. And then the drummer, yeah. Steve, there was Steve a drummer, Robinson. huge drum Whoa. set with double kick. Take it easy, Damien. Huge <laughs> yeah. drum set with double kick. And he looked like a young uh, Tommy Aldridge. Like Tommy Aldridge probably looked during World War One or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Actually, that's a that's a good comparison. I never thought of. He totally did look like Tommy Aldridge. Yeah, yeah. Tommy Aldridge looks like an apple you left out in the sun. But Steve looked good, like Steve. <laughs> but he looked like what what Tommy would would look like. Yeah. So so time goes on, and then this is. I just want to set this up. I'm out here doing a video shoot for someone, and we're at a Quiznos Subs in Anaheim at Nam, and I hear this voice. I hadn't seen Jerry in years, and I was like, "Holy fuck, is Jerry Bison?" <laughs> And you that was out. very bizarre. Yeah. That was so bizarre because you just came up from behind me. I was just ordering. And you like tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around. I was like, holy shit. Oh, my God. And you're like, that voice. I can't. That yeah. voice. I, can, I know that voice. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew the voice right away. And, and you helped us. I think it was an Anthrax video. Or I don't forget what band. But you helped us out with the guitars the very next day, which was fucking huge. So thank you. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I actually forgot about that, too. Yeah. But cool. So how are you, man? Well, you know, it's everything's good in general. You know, it's been, you know, tough, tough week with with the, you know, the Eddie Van Halen thing. What happened? Um, <laughs> Is everything okay? So, you know, yeah, yeah, really. I heard Eddie's not doing well. Yeah, he's not doing too good. No. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so that, that's been tough. Other than that, I mean, everything's, you know, been cool you know just have the shop here and just you know just working like crazy and just doing it you know which so, looks awesome by the way your shop oh thanks yeah i appreciate it man Got thank the you kiss pinball that's right the marshall amp yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah that thing yeah yeah we got a couple uh pinball machines here i'm working on getting some more they're expensive though man yeah. you know like new ones are around you know six thousand bucks right how much did you get one? that kiss one 
You know what? I bought that one probably 15 years ago and fixed it up myself. So I got a great deal. I think I paid maybe eight, eight, nine hundred for it. Wow. And it was working. Yeah, it was working, but it just needed some, you know, it needed to be gone over. So I did that myself. So I've had that for a long time now, but I know those, they've shot up a lot. I, I don't know how much, but they're, they're very expensive. It, it's so. weird because I had one and I, I, I didn't move it with me. It's somewhere in, in Detroit, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, at, yeah. at the time, like they made more of those Kiss pinball machines than any other pinball machine. That's why you still see so many today. Wow. Because oh, I didn't made, know that. Yeah, they made so many. Um, mm. So you have your own business called Stringed Instrument Services, which is a full service repair facility and custom shop, and it's in uh, Arcadia, right? Yes, sir. Yep. All right. So, so for those of you who don't know, Jerry works on guitars, and if you and you still do everything for Guitar Center too, right? Uh, yeah, we do probably like 20 stores worth. I mean, they have their own guys in their stores, but we have a van that goes around and picks up everything that they can't do and warranty stuff and, so, you know, just so, larger jobs. Yeah. So when you go to Guitar Center to play Crazy Train at full volume, <laughs> <laughs> Jerry and his team have made that guitar, so all the frets are, there's no buzz. No, when you, no, no, when no, you're like playing that. it wrong, like everything yeah. Is... <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, we build guitars here, too, in the same shop, um, so there's, it's basically like a dual function shop. We have the repair side and, you know, the custom build side, which is Lux Tone Guitars. So that's pretty much, you know, that's grown. That's probably about, you know, good 60, 70% of the business now is building and, you know, 30, uh-huh. 40% is repairs. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Well, let, almost let, too much, but let's go in order then. <clears throat> so as far as guitars that you've repaired, like tell us some of the the bigger names and some of the, the the like. I mean, have you ever worked on any guitars that were like guitars you saw in magazines growing up? Like, I can't believe I am working on this guitar. Dude, totally. Because I used to have like the wall of inspiration. Because that's all I used to do is just you know, like everybody, just practice, practice, practice. So it was mostly you know their guitars as much as the players. So you know, this was the '80s. So you know, I loved. You know, the, those dudes, like, you know, George Lynch and Warren G. Martini and obviously Eddie Van Halen and all that. So I had all those guitars on the wall. And pretty much a good portion of the actual guitars on those photos, I was lucky enough to have in the shop and, and work on, like the snakeskin, the real snakeskin, you know, uh, D. Martinis and all that. Ooh, it's, I like that. It's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy because if you would have told, like, the the 13 year old me that, Hey, in 25 years, you're going to have this and, you know, hang with this dude and have these guitars here. I would have freaked out. But, um, yeah, it's, I've been super lucky, you know, worked on, uh, Angus young stuff, Malcolm's guitars, wow. um, even though they were being played by Stevie young at the time. Cause yeah, this yeah. was already, hmm. um, you know, Scott Ian to, you know, to Eddie Van Halen to, you know, you name it. And a lot of that was through, Fender also, because I do, you know, work for Fender and do a lot of their artist stuff, which includes Charvel Jackson, Gretsch. So pretty much any of the big name players for those companies I've done also. So a lot of it was through that. So you you worked on Eddie's guitars that he actually used? Well, I did. At at the Fender showroom, I did in uh, the one day that he was there, which was like one of the coolest days of my life, obviously. Nice. ever because i get to spend a whole day with him which was just this was 2018 which was just insane you know at the time and even more insane now that i was lucky enough to have spent a day with you know the fucking superhero of all yeah. you know it's 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 a trip and just you know today i spoke with matt brock too and which is you know eddie's main right hand guy for 30 years and yeah, forever. you know it's it's sad it's you know we're lucky we lived at the time of you know van halen um it could have been during you know elvis's time or whatever but it's a hell of a lot cooler to live during eddie's time so i you know i find it lucky that we we're able to do that you know they'll be talking about him and other guys you know especially him for 100 years 200 years from now when they talk about you know guitar players and people that have influenced guitar and guitar construction, you know, it's all, yeah. all part of, it and we're lucky. It's, it's pretty cool. Did, did he give you any sort of like tips or any stories when he was building guitars or, or anything like, cause he seemed mm. that he was very like, um, 
I, I can't even think the word, but he didn't do things by the book, basically. Uh, no, no not at all. Okay. No, no, no. When you could see it in all those, you know, the classic Eddie guitars, man. He, like, chiseled shit out, literally with yeah. a chisel, and everybody's seen it. Everybody knows the stories. Um, it was totally unorthodox. And, you know, imagine being a type of player that you have to create your own guitars and your own parts and bridges and work with people to get the sound out of a guitar that's that in you're your hearing head. in your head that doesn't exist. It didn't, it wasn't yeah. even there. It did not exist. I mean, he made it happen so he could project that through his instrument. And that's, that's wild. I mean, he had as big of an influence on guitar building and guitars as he did on guitar players. And that's, that's, that's pretty unheard of. It's crazy. No, you're right. I mean, he he had influence over guitar players, guitar builders, songwriters, um, you know, people that created amps. Like every aspect of an instrument of that instrument, Eddie Van Halen was a leader among men when it came to innovation and style and things like that. I, he seems like the kind of guy to me that could pick up any guitar and it would sound like his guitar no matter what he was playing through. Right, and, and I've, I've heard those stories, too, like when he was on tour, that classic story was on tour, Ted Nugent or something, and Nugent's like, let me play through your rig, what's going on here? And he played it, and he sounded like Nugent, you know? Yeah. Um, and Eddie picked up Nugent's, uh, you know, Gibson played through his rig, and he sounded like Eddie. You wow, know? yeah. So, you know. That Birdland, could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, the big old Birdland, yeah. Wow. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty legendary what, what he was able to accomplish. And in amps, too. I mean, you know, again, this has all been said a million times, but that tone, you know, the brown Van sound. Halen 1, the brown sound, is insane. And that was created by him, you know, figuring out, you know, to run a Variac through the amp, lower the voltage to around 90 to get that tone and... Uh, you know, it's 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 wild because he ran that original Marshall. I was lucky enough to play through that too. What? Um, on ten, he literally died. Not just the volume; the whole amp is dying. Bass, trouble, <laughs> middle pressing. My kind of guy. It, 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 wow. it was pretty wild, but it didn't have crazy, crazy amounts of trouble because a lot most amps, even old plexes, you turn them on ten. Besides the volume, they're just too brighter. It's just insane. But this one just sounds really good but you know a lot of it had to do with the variac too and like i said i was able to play through it and it's trippy because it's his tone but it's not his tone and that's what we were talking about before it was in his hands like it just sounds like a bitch in marshall but yeah. it, it's not like hey i sound like van halen you know tone wise it's just a great marshall it was him you know was was 90 percent of it but it was still incredible that he got Marshalls to sound that way back then. It's 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 wild. I was gonna say my Marshall never sounded like him. I had to buy an EVH to sound like him. Yeah, yeah, and those are fantastic the amps best, too. Yeah. Great amps. So how do you totally. get how do you get to this point? Like you're a kid from Cleveland, like I was, and I I don't yeah. remember how you and I because we lived together too after a while. Um, yeah, for a year in Akron with, at well, school with John Keener, my favorite, and Brett Grohler, my yeah. other favorite. Those, those <laughs> were wild times. <laughs> and don't forget your brother. Oh yeah, and my brother. Hi, Chris. Yeah, that guy. Um, but that was like being on tour in our house. You know what I mean? Like all my years of touring <laughs> after that, that's what it's like. Was you know what I mean? We would walk in it and was. there'd be little kids sitting on Keener at our party. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, oh so God. how do you get to that? So you're, you're in bands. You actually replaced me in my own band, Civil Disobedience. So thank you. I did, which was really <laughs> bizarre. You know, it was, it was like it was like totally incestuous, like between like Spud Monsters and Civil Disobedience and all these. Everyone was kind of switching places and taking each other's place and quitting one band and joining another. There, there's but, a, yeah, that was there's a kid was named Kenny Jockel and. He knows, dude, he sent me so many civil disobedience, things I'd never even had before. And really? I don't know if, if he listens, but I'm going to send him this because he loves civil disobedience. He loves all that Cleveland stuff back in the day, and he knows it. He's like a like an expert. It's very, very weird, but I appreciate the love that he has for it. And he sent me stuff I never thought that I would ever get because I'd never heard you play the songs that, that we did. And it was cool. It was cool. It was a different... Actually, our theme song that we have on the podcast is What a World. It's that same verse. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, my God. First gosh. part I ever wrote on guitar. 
Wow. Well, you always came in with the bombastic riffs, dude. Like, <laughs> even then, like... Don't stroke his ego. Kill it. It's true. He's still you doing it. the coolest it. songs. It was, it was crazy. I remember when we first started jamming together, you were so quiet, I remember. Yeah. Well, because, like I said, you were a shredder. I've never been around a shredder, and Ian's so good. Like, talk about writing riffs. Oh, gosh. Ian yeah. pulls riffs from a different dimension. Like... They're, they're played weird, and at first they don't make sense, and then when you get it, it's like, holy fuck. This. And everyone I play, even the new shit Ian and I are doing together, when I play it for people, they're like, holy shit, that guy's great. He is. Mm-hmm. He, so, he is great, and the tone. He's got that killer, that ampeg, growly, but yet still like piano percussive bass tone. It's it's it's. He's always had just incredible bass tone. Yeah. He, always. I remember that very specific. Even on these crappy little cassettes that I have of us practicing, the, the, the bass just always sounded ridiculous on there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just... So you, so like I said, I walk in and it's the guy from Breaker, who was the biggest band in, in our town at that time, and you, and you're shredding, so I didn't know even know what to do. I'm just standing like, alright, I'll drop D, and then maybe we'll play March of the S.O.D., because I'm yeah. way out of my league here right now, man. <laughs> I'm way out of my league. But it was cool. I don't know why it broke up or what happened. Ian and I went off and did our own thing. So yeah, so you're playing in bands in Cleveland, and I think you were in Grimace for a while with Chris. Right? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, I was like 16 then. Yeah, yeah, and then you go on the road with Fishbone, and you're you're a guitar tech. Well, that's right. I yeah, know. yeah, that was trippy. Um, I spent you know I tech for probably I don't know five six years, and most of my time. I did a lot of guys, but uh, it was, what? Uh, that didn't Crazy. Come out. <laughs> I was to say that, that. Hold on there. I toured with a lot of dudes. So, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I was with them the longest. Fishbowl was a really long time. So, who, who'd you it, who'd you tech for in the band? Well, that was the hard part because pretty much everybody. Okay. Was, yeah. So, that you know, I would. I knew nothing about horns, but I'd do all the horn changes with Angelo, and I would do with bass and. The keyboard player would also play guitar, so I do, you know, did his stuff and the guitar player Spacey T. So it was it was fun, but it's a rough gig because there's a a lot of dudes in that band, and I had to do pretty much everything. But it was fun, but it was that it, it's not the easiest gig, you know. And then Angelo, the singer Fishbone, just you know, as you know, probably goes completely bananas and trashes everything pretty much purposely. Like he yeah. loves the chaos of it, which is fun to watch and it's cool. But for me, it was, it sucked because <laughs> everything would be falling down. Ceremons would come flying out and, and pedal boards would come undone. And, and this was like every five minutes, every night, you know, it was just like, Oh my gosh, it's like running around stage. 20 years. Yeah. Can, All night. Oh yeah. Can you oh, uh, yeah. tune my theremin please, Jerry? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So who's in the band at that time when you, when you worked with them? Um, it was when they actually started becoming sort of a different band. It was the first tour without Fish okay. on drums. So it was kind of when there was definitely some, some changing going on. So it was just Bone? Um, I'm sorry? So it was just Bone. Yeah, yeah. Fish was gone, but Bone was still yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which one's pink? Yeah. But uh, so it was, it was at the beginning of them kind of changing over. Um, a lot of guys, but um, you know we're still touring in the bus and you know doing all that for a few years, so it was cool. It was good. That's good. And then after Fishbone, is that when you start your own business? Like, what what leads you to say I want to start my own guitar repair? Do you start out of your house? Do you get that space or? Well, yeah. Well, you know, I've been doing uh, fixing guitars. And, well, I started building guitars when I was eighteen. Um, you know, when I was working for Hill Guitar Company in Cleveland, so I've done it forever in one one form or another. But, uh, yeah, just touring, I don't, you know, after a number of years, you know, being out there, I just didn't want to be on the road anymore because you're only getting paid when you're out. Unless you're lucky enough to have, you know, uh, a gig with Retainer, which I never did. Yeah. Um, so it was tough. So you'd have to be gone to make money, and then you might be home for a month or two months or whatever. And, it, you know, it was just tough to make a living. So, yeah, and then uh, what, what got me out of touring is I, I went to work for um, Music Man. And being their product technician and artist relations, and but that was short lived. It was probably like a year and a half, and then I just decided to start my own shop because I just wanted to do my own thing. And I was probably 2001, 2002, something like that, like almost 20 years ago. So, um, yeah, and it just grew and grew and grew, and then you know started the uh, Lux Tone Guitar Company probably around 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. So just kind of naturally. 
progressed on its own. I didn't really push it, and you know, I'm on my third shop, and each shop got bigger than the last. So, but right now, it's all good. We don't ever need any more room than we got now. So, so that's pretty much it. So you start working under. So for those that don't know, this guy John Hill in Cleveland was building guitars a, a long time ago, and it was, it was not a hidden secret, but it was, those guitars were great. Like, yeah, um, they were. So, did he teach you anything that you use later on, or? Pretty much everything, because prior to that, I knew a ton about guitars, and I'd always rip them up myself, and I trashed a bunch of them. But you know, I learned like that. But this was the first time I went to work for a dude that actually builds you know, from scratch. So it was like, here's how to make a body. Here's how to make a neck, how to, you know, put in frets and, you know, all the really intense stuff. And I worked for him for, you know, a few years. And so pretty much I learned almost everything when it comes to building from him, you know, and then you add your own things over the years, but yeah, that's where I, you know, he schooled me on everything. So, so, so I'm super thankful. What happens with Luxtone guitars? Like, how do you decide, like, I want to build guitars and these are the, the body shapes that I want? Like, what goes into that? I don't know anything about build. I'm amazed by anyone. I mean, it started as a kid. You would see Brian May build his guitar and then Eddie, you know, put his guitars together. So oh, yeah. that someone that I know can actually do this. I'm, I'm so fascinated by it. So how do you how do you make these decisions? Like, what are the body types? Are they based on your preferences or what's easier to build? Or Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of it is, you know, classic based, you know, uh, you know, strat shaped is you know we, we do a lot of our own you know uh, custom shapes but guitar players are very fashionable you know you're like a gibson dude or a fender dude or something so even though we have our own body shapes it's still the most popular ones are like you know super strat looking ones you know the classic strat shape but so my approach to that was pretty much i wanted to make a guitar or guitars that I wanted to play that I couldn't find in the stores either. You know, so I always liked growing up in the 80s, you know, old school Charvel necks and the early ESPs and all that. Yeah. Um, I love the way they felt, jumbo frets, everything, you know, thin, fast, oiled uh, neck. But, you know, after a while, after the 80s were done, yeah, I didn't want to, you know, a guitar with with a spider web and <laughs> boobs on it, you know. <laughs> so, spider webs and boobs. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so, but I like the look of vintage guitars. So it's kind of combining the two because when I play vintage guitars, I love them. But I was like, oh my gosh, this neck, this needs this, this needs that. This, these frets are tiny, you know. But you change any of that, you ruin the value. So it's kind of melting the two, like looking old but feeling like you know old school custom guitars, and it pretty much just went went from there. But that was the basic idea. And it really started with Dave Friedman, the amp builder, because he approached me. He's like, hey, would you want to build some guitars? And uh, I said, yeah, sure. And that, that was, like I said, around 2011. It started from there. So because I paired up with, with Friedman and Tone Merchants, it was kind of like instant respect, kind of, because yeah. Friedman's so well-known in the industry. So that really... Uh, was a big push right off the bat because there's a lot of builders out there that are badass, but it's hard to generate any kind of interest because when you go to the NAMM show or something, there's a million of them, and yeah. there are a lot of good ones. So almost like bands, there's good bands too, but you got to stand out or have something going your your way or you know to, to get noticed right off the bat. So that, that really was the push that kind of got on the map you know, right away, thanks to him, so... It's it's funny because I hate Guns N' Roses so much. Everyone knows this about me, but I do. I'm not the biggest fan either. But I do have to credit Slash and maybe Keelan. You can tell me if I'm wrong, because when everyone was getting pointy and spiderweb and boobs guitars, Slash <laughs> came out with the Les Paul, and it kind of was like a life preserver. Like, hey, wait a second, you know, you can still be in a band that's currently out there right now and be playing these kind of guitars, because mm -hmm. for a long time, if you showed up, like I used to have a you know, an old Les Paul custom and stuff. And it's just like, you're almost embarrassed because it seemed like it was so old at the time. You know what I mean? I wish I had that. Yeah, time. it wasn't hip for a while. It yeah. totally wasn't hip. You had to have the pointy headstock. And, or a you Kramer know, Beretta or something. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, he did keep it old school then. And it was kind of, it was actually a really cool thing, like you mentioned, that he, he kept that old school vintage vibe going with such a big band. So, yeah, exactly. That was cool. So we've talked about Keelan's dad on here. He plays guitar. He plays Neil Sean in a Journey tribute. And Keelan, oh, wow. did your dad play like any kind of like I know he just got a new Charvel, but he mostly has Les Pauls, right? Yeah, he, I remember he. 
I remember as a kid even had an Epiphone Les Paul that played really well. I love Epiphone. Yeah, like Epiphone was mm-hmm. good too. But he he's funny because I always tell him most guitar players I know they have a collection of guitars in some way. He just likes to have two guitars in his house, and so even if he gets like he just got this new Charvel, I wouldn't be surprised in a year from now uh, that's already sold and he's got another guitar. But he's got a um, a green. He's a left-handed guitar player, so it's harder for him to find. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, yeah. He, I guarantee he's been to your shop. By the way, I went to Arcadia High in your town, so like we're we're from your neck of the woods. But oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's definitely been there. But yeah, so he he's always had just like two guitars. It's either like a Strat and a Les Paul, or he had like the Shanker V for literally a year. Uh, oh wow! He, but he just likes going through um, going through them all. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm always just fascinated by what people choose in a guitar i'll see a, a band on stage like at one of these festivals I'm like why is that guy playing that guitar but he must love it you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i've had guitars that that have really surprised me like i just recorded and i have a, a new les paul jr that i love but i used this oh. a Schecter that was amazing and it just sounded so good i mean i just yeah, used that the I whole mean, time yeah i mean uh, there's always the, like i was saying the classic guitars but uh, you know that have a certain tone and a certain vibe and, and feel but there's so many good guitars out there that just work in certain situations. Like you mentioned the Schecter. It's not, wouldn't be like, Hey, I'm going to get a bunch of Schecters to go in the studio with it. You know, <laughs> right. but you know, but you, you just pull certain guitars out, whatever it may be. And they just work and they sound great for a certain track or, and you, like you said, you would never imagine yourself using that, but you know, it just works right. You know, and that's kind of the Epiphone thing too. You know, it's like basically like, you know, Gibson light, but uh, th- there's some really good ones, too. So you never know, you know, especially in the shop. I've seen really expensive, nice guitars. It just sucks. Yeah. And, and then the opposite. Some guitars come in and, like, junk, you know, 300 bucks, 400 bucks, and you play it. And you're like, what the hell? Why is this thing sound so badass? It's, you know, you, you just you never know. Every one of them is different. Well, there's that story where I brought you um, a band I was managing. I brought in their guitars. And you you fell in love with the the white I think it was a Gibson. Oh yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. It was a uh, a Gibson. It was a Junior. Yeah, it's yeah. a Junior. Yeah. Uh, double cut, and uh, mm-hmm. that thing was so badass. And once I just fell in love with it. So uh, right away after I worked on it, I went and found it. <laughs> it was like a limited edition one, so it was like it was a pain in the ass to find. But I found one and bought it, and I still have it to this day. I love that guitar. Yeah. Do you still play as much? Or like when, when I was young, I loved pizza, right? So I'm like, I'm going to get a job at a, a pizzeria and I'll have pizza all the time. <laughs> and then I never eat pizza again. So do you still, I saw you playing Hang em High the other day. I think it was even just yesterday on, on your Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I put that up. Yeah. So, so you still play, which is good. Well, I still play, but it's nothing like before. Because, you know, especially like you were mentioning with the pizza, you know, when you work with it every day, day in, day out, it's not like I, I'm here, you know, on average. 10, 11 hours a day, six days a week. I'm here all the time. So the last thing I do when I run home is, is pick up a guitar and play. Yeah. And, you know, when I'm here, I got a guitar in my hand all, all day long, but it's not like I'm practicing. Oh, let me try this scale. You know, I'm, I'm worse now than I was, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago. That's for sure. I don't know. So. It, seemed, it seemed really good what I saw the oh, other day. Thanks. You know, before yeah. we, we reconnected, I was looking for you because I was working with a band that you and I grew up loving, and we were looking for a guitar player. And I was like, I know the guy. I just don't know where he was. And I really, I did a search, but this was before social media or anything. So yeah. I was going to offer you that spot in that band, playing those songs that we tried to play in that, that practice spot. Yeah, that would have been ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's um, crazy. But I think that was our big connection, too, was just our love for, for that. You know, yeah. we totally like all the same shit, you know, Cro-Mags, uh, Crumb Suckers. Uh, you know, it's a great you time know, to be alive. <laughs> Yeah, misfits, whatever. You know, we we're just into all the same stuff, so that definitely connected us. Yeah. So when you got when you build guitars, do you like do you get the wood for the like how far deep do you go? Do you get pieces and put them together, or do you do everything, top to bottom? Well, the, most of the bodies are cut here. A lot of the hardware is is our own custom hardware. Not all of it. Not like tuning keys or something, but bridges and things like that are fabricated uh, for us. Custom. Stuff. Um, you know, our pickups are wound for us. We have our own pickups. And we'll use other pickup companies, too, if somebody wants it. But, uh, you know, pick out all the wood, do all that. 
the next RC and seed, I don't sit there and hand cut a neck yeah, that's yeah. like completely insane. I could, and I have many times, but that's not how you do it for a business. So the necks are CNC that provide all the wood for that. And they're, they're digitized neck profiles of some of my favorite guitars that I've had my hands on and was like, Oh, this one's perfect. And try to recreate that, you know, for the the neck profiles and CNC keeps them the same every time. So if someone plays one, it's like, Oh, this is badass. You know, I want another one or you could recreate the neck instead of every one of them being a little different if you did them by hand. Mm-hmm. How many do you build a year? Well, probably average, you know, it varies, but I'm probably doing about 10, 12 a month. So, you know, ballpark 125 a year, and it keeps growing. I don't ever want to get too big because I've been in that situation before with other companies, and it sucks. Yeah. So, you know, I just want to keep it at a low enough number where I could do 90% of it myself and do each one myself and just be happy with the instrument that comes out and says, Instead of going, oh, I want to do 30 next month and 40 the month after that. Even if I could, I, I don't have an interest in doing those kinds of numbers. That's not what I want to do. How, how has this affected the shop with COVID this year? Like, are people staying home playing guitar? Or how, how, what have you noticed as guitar players? Like, I know skateboard shops are sold out because kids are just buying skateboards and playing in front of their houses. How is it guitar-wise? Yeah, that's a good question because... It was very surprising. I thought, you know, when this hit, I was like, I'm screwed, man. <laughs> like, right, I don't know yeah. what I'm going to do. Because no there's no gonna... shows, but yeah. Yeah. It actually was after maybe the first two, three weeks, which is nothing, it went bananas. Like, okay. literally the busiest we've been ever, awesome. ever, it's... like in 20 years. It just, it went crazy. It was, it was nonstop. And yeah. same with... Same with, uh, you know, Luxtone. The orders just started pouring in. And that was especially one thing. I was like, no one's going to want to spend a few grand on guitars right now. Or Do you think, I thought uh, that was going to suffer. Are parents buying their kids guitars saying, oh, we're stuck with the kids at home. Time to pick up and teach them a guitar. Have you seen things yeah. like that? that? That could be part of it. I have noticed that. But I think, you know, for kids... Um, it was more like, Hey, remember that guitar in the garage? You know, a lot of times they had it and it just, you know, it needs to be fixed up and restrung and set up. And for more of the, the professional guys, it was actually a good time to do it because they have time. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the trick is always, you know, people on the road playing, they can't be without it for a week or two. So all of a sudden they had time. So they're like, here's. 10 of my touring rig to yeah. do them. I got, I got all the time in the world. So, That's you know, got a lot of that. So it wasn't something I really foresaw when this first started happening, but you know, um, I've been lucky, you know, because it's not the case for obviously a lot of other people. So, right. you know, are, are, a good you, thing. are you getting endorses or are you giving out endorsements or, or is you just want well, to be a boutique? Yeah. I mean, we do, but, you know, a lot of the endorsement stuff, a lot of the guys get guitars that might cost the company, you know, two, three hundred bucks or something, like if you're getting something from one of the bigger brands, you know, and sometimes more than that. So yeah. it's easy to give out. But for us, it's like giving out a Fender Master Belt or something. <laughs> it, these are all custom made, so there's thousands of dollars into it. So mm-hmm. it's harder to just give them away. And we have, you know, Phil X, uh, you know, with Bon Jovi, use them. We've given away. A few, but it, it, it's 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 not easy to do at that at you know at that price point that yeah. you know that they're made for and the time that goes into it. It's hard to be like you get one and you get one. You know, it's like giving out two. <laughs> like Oprah. You know? Oprah. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, so so who who would be your guy? I mean, obviously Eddie has passed, but if you could have any guitar player walk in through those doors in Ar- Arcadia and say, "I want you to endorse me," like who's the guy for you? Well, you know, <laughs> that's a good question. Besides, the you know, there's, there's guys that I can name that would never in a million years play our style guitar. But you know, who's left? You know, maybe maybe Jimmy Page. And I know you probably don't want to hear that because I know you don't. Like yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he loves Jimmy Page. Our style guitar, but that would be a dream, of course. But you know, one of my favorite, you know, newer guys. I mean, he's not new. Is is Phil X? Phil X is a, is a badass, and so I was really happy to you know, make a couple for him and, and see him play them. And, uh, 
he's just a guy I really, you know, think is great. You know, he's fantastic. So I, I'm gonna, that's cool. I'm going to plead ignorance. I don't know who that Keelan, who is that? Well, he took Sam Boris' place in Bon Jovi, but he's also got a band called uh, Phil X and the Drills. Uh, he's a good guitar player. What would you say uh, his style is? Like, what has he done to the guitar world that, that he's changed up? Because well, I know he's got his own style of playing. I just can't explain it. He does. You. He's super unique. He's like one of those guys. He's along the lines. He doesn't play like Eddie, but there's certain things that he does that I don't really see people do that right. is Eddie-like. But, you know, um, and that's why I dig it. He'll, he'll, he'll bust out some solos or do whatever, and then he'll do some crazy-ass weird trick or something that I've just never seen. It's one of, uh, and you have to rewind and go, what the hell? What, what was that? So you're, it's badass. You're one of the few people that would probably say, it's okay if Phil X stays in Bon Jovi and Sambora never comes back. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah he's, he's played with a lot of people, man. It's, it's yeah. kind of funny when you look. I mean, he even played in Aldo Nova. You know, he's a what? Canadian dude. Okay, so. hang on. Yeah. Hang on. Now yeah. we're talking. He's all, he, I, I think he I'm played with back. Triumph. I'm pretty sure he did something with Triumph 2 for and a run or something. Rabbit with a around. W. I'm just naming Canadian bands. <laughs> he's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen him play at the Lucky Strike Jams quite a bit. Uh, you know, the, yeah. th- those type of things. But yeah, he's great. That's great. Yeah, that's, he's, that's great for you. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good dude. So who were your guys growing up then? Like, I mean. Well, number one always was. Danny was Spitz. That, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that goes without saying. But, you know, it was, it was like the 80s dudes. So, you know, I loved George Lynch. I loved, <laughs> uh, you know, Warren D. Martini, all those guys, uh, Jakey Lee, Randy Rhodes, you know, oh, um, growing up. But then, you know, over time, you know, you get into different stuff. And, you know, by the time I was. You know, in high school, I was getting in all the thrash stuff, especially Anthrax. And, uh, you know, just got into that and the, the more hardcore punk stuff, you know. So It's funny with, with the Anthrax stuff because, you know, at the time, like, Spitz's solos didn't stand out. But when you listen to them, they're really well put together. He just... Yeah. I, he didn't really... For me, he didn't have enough bends or held notes or something to give it personality. He's doing really cool shit. But it wasn't until, like, much later on, like, only... And that album, you know, Sound of White Noise, where he was actually getting some sort of flavor to his playing, regardless of how good it was. Yeah, I actually appreciate him more now than I even did then, because, you know, and still to this day, it's all about the rhythms and Scott Ian. But, you know, I listened back to what he was doing. It was very, like you said, they were well put together. It almost had this weird... Almost, I don't know how to describe it, like an Arabic feel or something. Like oh, yeah. Well, ADI, yeah, were, exactly. Yeah, it was very, very unique. Um, you know, I liked them a lot a lot better than some of the, you know, the other thrash players. Because, you know, thrash players, is more about the, the rhythm yeah. and the songs. So the solos were just kind of like, they were just there to be there on a lot of them. But uh, um, that's why I dug him, because it was actually part of the song it was almost like a separate melody so it was was cool what he did yeah he countered a lot of stuff yeah and you're right i mean i you know me i was never a big metallica guy but like kirk solos to me are just like boring you know what i mean just i don't want you to i don't want anyone talk shit any guitar players i'm just saying for me sure like when it came to between like danny or or kirk like like even on the huge metallica songs like one i'm like really that's the solo they kept you know but yeah, maybe. yeah, he does what he does. You know, what I mean, he's got that vibrato, he's got those trills, he's got that uh, the wah pedal, and you know, he he rocks it. And you know, I guess people you know have dug it over the years, so it's cool. I guess he has his own. I guess it's his own sound. I suppose it's recognizable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you're right. When it comes to that kind of stuff, it was about the rhythm. You know, '70s stuff was a lot about the solos, even like the Ace Frehley's and that. No one really talked about Paul Stanley's rhythm playing, although he's really good. Um, yeah. Um, you know, Paul Stanley plays rhythm like in the style of like the birds, so I think that gives it a lot of personality to, to sure. his playing. Um, but then that thrash stuff, like with Scott Ian and James Hetfield and Slayer dudes, like Slayer solos were horrible, but the rhythm and how tight they were, I mean, it was, it was the precision was insane. It was insane. And, you know, learning those songs and trying to play those songs, was like learning solos in that it was all right-hand technique as opposed to so much left, you know, scales and this and that. But it, it takes the same amount of skill and precision to be able to just to do those, those rhythms rhythmically. It was, it, it was crazy. It's very difficult. It's, it's not easy. 
So at what age did you start playing? Um, I think I started in 79, so I was eight, Okay, I believe. Yeah, around eight years old. But, you know, the first few years, it was just lessons and going through Mel Bay Book One, Mel Bay Mel Book Bay. Two, you, you know, and it's like, I can't wait to get to the Art of Rock book, which is number five, <laughs> you know. Uh, so really, you know, I, I, I liked it, but it was more like, I dug it, but it was more being forced. Sort yeah. of like you got to practice a half hour, uh, so it probably I really didn't really practice and get crazy until I was probably maybe twelve, eleven, or twelve. I never stopped playing, but that's really when I just you know started woodshedding and all started with my one teacher Chip who would come to the house. He was the first guy. He's like, "What do you like?" And I'm like, "You know, whatever." Uh, Dawkins, you know, so he'd come and, and teach you the solos at your house instead of just being, you know, reading out of a book. Yeah. Oh, here's the Lynch solo. Let's, let's work on, it. you know, piece by piece and break it down. And it was bad. That dude was trippy, man. I, I haven't talked to him in years and years and years, but, uh, on his left hand, he had no thumb wow. and on his right hand, it split into two. It was the trippiest. He had two thumbs on one hand. <laughs> what? What's going and on with this guy? Was, he needed on the left trippy. hand. <laughs> It was it was it was crazy, man. But uh, he's either the I'll best hitchhiker that. or the worst. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or he learned your trick. Yeah, it's yeah. A bit too hard. <laughs> yeah, it's it, not was, it was trippy. But he's a great dude. He was he was a great player. Like I said, I I haven't seen him probably since I was sixteen. So it's been you know however over thirty years. But. Wow. Speaking but that's of, what yeah. really started it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Lynch, did you hear he re-recorded the? Did you ever listen to Lynch Mob? Yeah, yeah, I did. Did, I you, have. did you hear they re-recorded Wicked Sensation, the whole album? I I haven't heard it. I read that that was happening, but it, I, I haven't heard it. Don't even bother. It's horrible. <laughs> really? Horrible. What's so different about it? Like, what did they, they... What's so bad? They funkified it. Like, it's, it's like all the songs from the original album and in a funky, different version... Uh, I don't understand it. I can't even explain it. I don't really? know why they bothered. And then now they're not going to be able to call the band Lynch Mob anymore because of the whole uh, movements going on this year. But it's his last yeah, name. I read that. Yeah. 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 Oh, I yeah. guess the mob part. But yeah, okay. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know anymore. The world's on fire. And then you mentioned yeah. Martini. Rats, not the same anymore today. Like their guitar player just quit again. They have, they're always having oh, a rough really? time. Oh, really? Yeah, the, uh, the dude that played Robin the past couple tours quit the band, so they're... Burt Ward. <laughs> and everyone's so bummed in this office with me. No, no, it's great. Listen, growing up, I didn't like that stuff, but I always liked Warren D. Martini. I like... I, Rat I was heavy. Man. I mean, I didn't like the vocals, and obviously I hated the sound of those records, I think. What was yeah. that guy's name? Yeah, the sound is pretty bad. Hill? Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that guy. But but Warren D. Martini to me he looked cool except for when he, you know but for some reason in the eighties everyone was putting mascara on their arms for and like it was weird, right? But but no, those, he's a badass. Yeah, dude, those riffs and you know I don't care if it's You're in Love or Wanted Man and all of that stuff. Player, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's still great. Like you know some of the guys you know maybe lost a step over time. Um, he just know, doesn't want to play. Spend, yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I don't really know. Actually, I do know a little bit, but I'm not really at liberty to say. Not that I got crazy insider information. But <laughs> yeah, I, this I is why we're here. This is why yeah, we got so you on here. And then, you know, Breaking like, news. You we need the Demartini dirt on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've seen him do like a couple of the uh, supergroup stuff. Uh, rarely, mm. he's done one or two like the Canes of Chaos with like you know Gilby Clark and Matt Sorum, but. Um, He's aged relatively well. I mean, yeah. he kind of looks like a housewife now. Um, but <laughs> That's good. He kind of. It's just weird to watch people like Jerry. You're aging very well. I may say, if, you know, today's your birthday. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, like, uh, what well, what ro- what rock stars are aging horribly? Like, which rock oh, stars age the worst? Chris Holmes, oh. <laughs> Kurt Cobain. Oh, God, I just watched *Decline of Western Civilization* too, like two oh, weeks wow. ago, and I was like, "Oh my!" I haven't seen it in a long time. That scene with his mom. Is that real? I've, I've, heard bo- I've heard back and forth that that was just water. I don't know. What in the oh, pool? In the, in in the, the pool. bottles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. Uh, uh, it's a great scene. Maybe. Apparently, Chris is saying that 
Eddie Van Halen borrowed one of his guitars to that's record on Women, Children First. Do you that's have a insight story. on that? Yes. The, I, I really? Be, I believe the destroyer, the Ibanez destroyer that Eddie destroyed was originally Chris Holmes. Isn't that interesting? Chris Holmes had something to do with Van Halen. Either, My favorite album. Either that or Eddie destroyed his, cutting it all up, so he borrowed Chris Holmes. Who knew he was that? Yeah. they were that close in oh. worlds to even con- converse about it? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Eddie used that that. I've been as destroyer on the first album a lot. That's that chunk song, oh, I think, okay. mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's interesting. yeah I'm not. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I know Eddie. You know, in the early days, he used to borrow a lot of people's gear because you know, living here, I live in Pasadena, so I run into a lot of people that have been here their whole lives, and we're like, I've been to all the parties, and you know, you know, half of them might be full of shit, but I know <laughs> a lot of them are not. Yeah, and uh, it's pretty wild. My one friend, uh, um, Jim. You know, he would loan Eddie. He was one of the only guys that had a Marshall in town because not many people back then had Marshalls yet because they were really stuck in England there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Ed would borrow and be like, if you're ever going to sell this, sell it to me. And he'd loan him guitars. So, you know, it would make sense that he was using, like, you know, this guy's or that guy's loaner guitars in, their, in the early days to record or something because that's just kind of what he did. Yeah, for I sure. think he was just excited as well to see what other people were messing with. Like, Eddie was always like... What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? I want to fuck with it, you know? I think mm-hmm. he was very interested, obviously, and very curious about everyone's equipment. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, well, like I said, his his influence goes way beyond guitar playing. And, right. And goes all... I mean, he really was a superhero, man. He had he had, he had the outfits and, you know, and, and you know, everything about him was, was, was larger than than life i mean he had the the riffs he had the swing he had the solos he had the look he had you know the crazy clothes he came up with the, the stripes which led really started a revolution of all those custom guitars yep. and custom paint jobs i mean he was the one doing that first man he did it in you know in, in the 70s i i've searched forever for like some sort of an interview or reason why he striped that first I don't even know. Was that a Charvel body? Was it a boogie body? I don't know what kind of body, but that first guitar on that first album, like what led him to come up? It's such a weird design, you know? Right. It, it really is. I, I, I don't know what led him to the actual stripe. I mean, I know he just used electrical tape and, you know, bike, bicycle, rattle can paint, but I don't know what, what was, you know, what led him to do that exact, you know, paint job. But, he, uh, without Eddie Van Halen, we don't have striper. Yeah. yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank God for Eddie. Literally. <laughs> Literally, God. Uh-huh. Uh, you, I love Striper. I'm going I'm I to go too. on record. That, that is my, my guilty pleasure, dude. Their I, albums, I Oz Fox is so great. Michael, great. I played loud and clear on the way to work today. Um, do you know by any chance if the original Eddie guitar, or the Frankenstein, is still around? And maybe in a museum? Oh, no, or it's around. It's around because uh, I know, you know, the one guy, Chip Ellis, that works uh, over at EBH, he's like really, really uh, Eddie's main dude over there. Uh-huh. He, he, when they did the, like the tribute series ones, like they put out the ones that were like 20 grand or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. And, you know, now they have a relic version, which is, you know, a little more affordable, like, like 1600 bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, from what I heard, it really is. I haven't really? played that one, but they had the original, you know, he had the original guitar. Yeah. And uh, wow. so they had that to go off of. So that's that's, that's around. And you guys know, like, the Bumblebee was buried with Dimebag. That with Dimebag, yeah. which is cr- I thought that looked better than the Frankenstein. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that's my personal favorite one. That's, <laughs> I, I have that one. So that, wow. that's the one I really dig. That was always my favorite. Spe- Even though the most iconic one is obviously the red one. So. Speaking of digging, did anyone dig it out of the grave? <laughs> 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 I literally have five jokes. I will not tell one joke right now. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. That Bumblebee, because for me, Van Halen 2 was everything. Like, that was my favorite tour I saw them on, and he used yeah. that for that. Like, when you saw it in the album, because the first album he used on that tour, when they opened for Sabbath, he used the Les Paul and he used the, the white one, which became the Red Frankenstein. Okay. Um, right. And then, on, then Van Halen 2 comes out, and it's black and yellow. And it, it looks, looks great. so great. They do so, so clean. So cool. Yeah. When, just when, staring at those album covers mm-hmm. when you're a kid, just going, oh my gosh, it's kind of. You know, because there was no internet, obviously. So every all the information you got is just from like the liner maybe notes. it says something in Cream magazine or yeah, the liner notes of the record or oh, Guitar Player magazine's got 
ad on the cover, so you'd you know you'd buy it, and that was the only way to get information. It was such a mystery. Everything was a mystery then. You yeah, know? it was so much. Better. But especially his stuff, and that's why there's still to this day so much. Uh, it's almost like uh, folklore about his gear and his amps and what he was doing. And one guy's like, oh, I saw it, and he had his amps modded. No, I had it. It wasn't modded, and you know, it was just never-ending wow. arguments. I yeah. love it. That's the fun of it. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And on mm-hmm. top, on top of all your guitar stuff. Little known fact about Jerry is he was on an episode of The Dog Whisperer. Uh, <laughs> it's all fake, isn't it? Did you... Well, let's hear. <laughs> no, no, it's it's legit. It, it was. It just came out of nowhere. We have an asshole dog and that's still around. And so that show uh, didn't work. Better now. Not well. Yeah, tell us. It, it, it does work. It does work. So the thing is, he comes and it's genuine. He gives you the information and the techniques to deal with the dog and it's good information at least for us it was maybe it doesn't work for everybody uh-huh. but but you got to put it to you know you got to put it to practice you got to do it it's not just like he leaves and your dog's kick ass it's yeah. not that he's, way he's like, give him a xanax every day <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's legit because you know you know he came out and did the show at, at the house and uh a few weeks later i don't know maybe it was like a month or two later we found out you know we we're gonna have a kid and uh-huh. so we called and we we're like, hey, what's some tips for like having a baby? Like, well, how do you do it? Do you create space? Whatever. Well, you and, put the uh, you know he, what in the you know what. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you go, <laughs> but he came out on his own with no cameras or anything to help work with us again. Totally oh, free. wow. Wow. Oh, wow. That's really nice. Yeah. He's like, oh, my mother in law lives over that way or whatever. I'm just going to stop by if you guys will be around and I'll help you. Oh, that's amazing. And, uh, oh. Yeah, and he came out and just on his own time. There obviously no cameras, no didn't charge us anything. So wow. he, he's a good dude. What's his name? Caesar Milan. Yeah. 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 Didn't he run into some kind of trouble though? With the law? I don't know. No, I don't know. I have no There's, idea. Someone gets offended by everything. Don't try to shame him. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> shaming him. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. I have guy. more respect <laughs> for him now. Jerry. Yes. Imagine us two nudniks from a certain ethnic town, and <laughs> look at what we've done. We've been around. We, I mean, we would have never thought that is sitting in that hot rehearsal room. You know what I mean? The I thing, know. I'm very happy for you. You make me happy. Oh well, thank you, and uh, I'm happy for you too. But uh, but it is weird. That's what I was saying. Like if you think about the 14 year old version of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and what you would be doing when you're 40 or whatever it might be, you'd be like, oh my god, 32 no way. In my I'll case. actually be in the same room <laughs> with this dude or working on this. It, it, yeah. Or touring with this band. It's 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 pretty wild. And it, and, it, and it is one of those things like where you have to stop and take a breath and say, Shit, the roses. yeah, this is really happening, you know? Um, I know you've worked, it's easy not to do that. Yeah, and you've worked with some of the heroes you had growing up, and I have and still do, and it's just, it's one of those things where, I, again, I can't believe the small towns that we came from, although you came, you went to high school the same place that Neil Geraldo went to high school. I did, actually. I think so, yeah. yeah. I know the dude from the Cars... Went to my high school, Ben. Ben Orr. Yeah, Ben Orr. Yeah, he went to he went to high school where I did. I, you know, and I know Neil Geraldo's from my area. I don't know if he went to the same high school or not. Um. So yeah. So you know, we come from these small towns, and we 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 did things we never thought we'd be able to do. So uh, it's it's pretty cool. Do you have a kiss story, Jerry? Uh well, that was my first concert. Uh, I saw Kiss in. 79 on the Dynasty Tour when I was eight. I just turned nine, actually. With New England. But that's it. That's I think exactly that was my dad's first it. Kiss tour, too. Yeah. It was, and that, that's basically what obviously just exploded my mind completely from that point on. And it was just all rock from that point. And that's all I wanted to do. That was just... <laughs> ridiculous for like a nine-year-old kid to, to see it was, it was the nuts. gateway drug but what we've talked about what? it on here like there, there for people like in our age group we got to experience this stuff as it was happening on the timeline you know what i mean that's right we were there when kiss alive came out we were there when van halen hit we were there you know when rock turned into thrash metal i mean we were for hip-hop and all of that stuff so to be able mm-hmm. to live it on the timeline to me is a blessing so you know, well, I, I think Tommy Thayer does a great job. I'm glad I get I to see too. him at the shows. I do too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Listen, I think all these guys. I think Wolf Van Halen was great. I think Tommy Thayer is great, and I think Dax Nielsen is great. Like all these guys yeah. saved my favorite bands. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I can't talk shit on any of them. Those guys can all start yep. their own band together now. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, Jerry, this Thank has you. been amazing. Yeah. Um, we love you. Let Tell everyone Aww. where your shop is, where they can see your guitars and all of that stuff. Uh, well, the shop's in Arcadia. Um, you can look it up at SIS Repair Service. And uh, the, the same with the guitars. Um, you could just go to luxtoneguitars.com with two X's, L-U-X-X-T-O-N-E, and, and check it out. And it's all built here in the same place that the repairs are done. So, yeah, everything's over here, so... Awesome. And you also get to work with one of my other favorite people, Mike Tempesta. So please tell him I said hello. Mike Tempesta rules. He really yeah. does. <laughs> he totally rules. I've known Mike about as long guy. as I've known you. I love that guy so much. He's so, a good dude. Yeah. The whole Tempesta clan are, are good people. So Yeah. All right, Jerry. Thank you so much. Say hi to your family. Well, thank you. Happy this was birthday. a blast. Rock and uh, roll. Thanks, man. Right on, right on. All right. Bye.